welcome to the Goddess Talk podcast, a platform inspiring visionary, spiritual women to remember their power, rise into their soul purpose, and activate their most fulfilling, abundant lives. Join me and my guests for conversations around spirituality, self-development, wellness, women's empowerment, and intentional, intuitive business. Thank you so much for being with me, and let's begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Goddess Talk, the podcast. I'm having such a good week this week. I just wrapped up the launch period for the new one-on-one program that I'm offering, New Earth Leadership Immersion, which is really a deep dive container for those who are looking to experience soul expansion and aligned business activation. And I'm just so looking forward to witnessing the transformation unfold this summer. And I'm just so happy with the women that are in that program. I'm so looking forward to guiding them. And I wanted to mention as well, if you're listening and you missed the launch period and you're having a little FOMO and you want to get in on that, send me a message on Instagram. I might still be able to take you on if you are really interested. So just reach out to me on Instagram and let me know. Um, But yeah, just feeling so incredibly excited to bring this program to life over the next several weeks. Um... So yeah, that's that. I also moved within the last week, so lots of things going on. It's been a little bit chaotic, but all good things, and I hope that you all are experiencing only good things as well as we move into July. Let's move into today's episode. Today, I'm interviewing marketing coach, launch strategist, and co-founder of Authentic Audience, Krista Ripma. Authentic Audience is a full-service digital marketing and ad agency dedicated to serving brands who foster the best in self-care, self-love, and self-expression. And I just want to take a moment to brag about Krista because she's awesome and she totally deserves it. And I just want you all to know how special she is and how special this episode is. So Krista has built million-plus Instagram followings. She's tripled online awareness an engagement for her brands, and she's coached hundreds of business owners to find and speak their truth. She was recently featured on Entrepreneur Mag and Forbes and hosts her own podcast, Authentic Audience. So you all are in for a treat with Krista. In our episode, we talk about authenticity, what it is, and why it just works, and also how to balance authenticity with consistency in your business. And then Krista walks us through the biggest mistakes and the best strategies in digital marketing right now. And then we talk about launching, what truly makes a launch successful, and the power of intention behind launches and just overall in your business. And then we also spend time talking about setting boundaries and what boundaries really are what they really require, and how to do so in life, in relationships, in the online space, and of course, in business. So I really love this episode because it does such a good job at honoring both the sacred and the practical. So 
you know, we talk in depth about Krista's energetic and spiritual practices, but we also get into the nitty gritty around strategy. And so I think that you will all find this episode to really be a well-rounded experience as you're listening. And because of that, I think that even if you're one of the listeners that doesn't have a business, I think that you'll still find it to be really valuable just in your own spiritual journey and in your life. So that is today's episode. Before we get started, I just want to take a moment to say that if you have been enjoying these episodes and you've been enjoying my work and my work has been serving you, I would so deeply appreciate you giving the show a five-star rating. It truly means more to me than you could ever know and it really helps the show grow. It helps me to continue to bring on the highest quality guests for interviews Um, And so yeah, if you feel, if that is an alignment for you, then just scroll down on the podcast page and tap five stars. And also, if there are ever any specific episodes that you really like and you feel called, I love so much when you share them to your Instagram stories. Some of you will even include your biggest takeaway from the episode, which is so fun for me to see and also so helpful for me to see what you're enjoying and what's resonating and landing for you. And of course, you sharing in this way, you sharing the show in general helps other people who are in your world who might not otherwise find the show to be able to see it and hear it. And of course, I always reshare your stories so more people can find you and see your work as well. So that is my little spiel. I think that is all my loves. I hope that you enjoy this episode with Krista Ritma. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here today with marketing coach, launch strategist, podcast host, and the co-founder of Authentic Audience, Krista Ripma, whose mission is to inspire others to tell their stories and share their truth through radically honest marketing. It's so good to be with you. Welcome to the show, Krista. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Me too. So I always start with some intro questions to get us warmed up. The first thing I want to know from you is tell me about your daily practice if you have one or tell us about some of your favorite self-care and and, or spiritual practices or rituals. I love this question. This is going to be a good podcast. Um, (laughs) Self-care and daily rituals are everything to me. So uh, I take daily baths, which is actually a new thing. And I've started scheduling my whole day around the bath. It's oh my God. changed Amazing. my life. 32 years old, just started taking baths. I had no idea what I was missing. So um, I would say that's been the biggest game changer every day. Um, I also live at the beach. So I wake up and every single morning, the first thing I do, whether it's misty or foggy or sunny, whatever is I walk my dog and have a long coffee on the beach. And if I have early meetings or a morning, I get up earlier um, just to make sure that I can get that in. I either sit, meditate, think, whatever. Um, But yeah, so the beach and the baths are huge, huge, huge. I um, have anxiety and stressful work, you know, situations all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a priority for me the self-care. And then spiritual practices. I have um, 
a lot of them. Um, I have a whole room dedicated to my shrine and, and my prayers. And so I usually ring my bell, light my incense, um, light some candles. And I do that a couple times a day. Um, yeah. And the last thing that I've been recently doing is this cord cutting exercise and I do it throughout the day. Um, I tend to take a lot on whether it's my clients or the weight of the world or whatever it is. And, um, I just sort of like visualize this big pair of scissors cutting the cords of all of these energies around me in the most loving way. I picture the people like waving at me and like blowing kisses Mm -hmm. and like thanking me as they like disappear. Um, and that also has been a big, a big part of my practice recently. It's always evolving though. So that's what's, that's what it's like today. Of course. Yeah. Um, Gosh, so much of that I relate to. Like I do cord cutting all the time and you are literally like at least the fourth person that has mentioned baths as part of your spiritual practice. Literally the last two weeks on the podcast, we've had people mention baths and people in the past have too. And I need to get on this. I don't have an amazing bathtub where I'm at now, but I know just before we hit record, I was telling you that I'm moving. And so there are some pretty epic baths where I'm moving and I'm also moving to the beach. So I'm, I'm just going to be in all the water all summer. Yeah. There's something about water, like, and then like submerging in the hot water. And I used to get really bored. I'm like a pretty antsy person, but then I started having really powerful, um, tools like the cord cutting, or I do this one where I sort of align my energy. So I'm not just quiet. I'm actually like focusing on healing something or like moving through something because I believe, you know, our meditation practice is very specific and that is for connecting to divine. Like it's not our spiritual practice, you know, isn't about fixing problems. It's not about healing things. It's about sitting down and being quiet. So I find these other opportunities, the bath being one of them to sort of deal with all the other shit um, that is coming up and going on, which is like sort of separate from that meditation practice. And, um, I also don't really love the hot water. So what I look forward to most is at the end of it, I do an ice cold shower. No, that's the worst part. (laughs) I can't, I can't with the cold shower trend. Like I'm not, I'm not. I love it. It's so funny. Okay. Maybe someday. So I get really hot though in the bath, you know, I sit in there for a while. It's dark. I light my candles. I have like this whole, what's really beautiful about it is I, I live in an apartment like I don't have this crazy beautiful bathroom but it, there is a tub and you can make it like you know Epsom lavender Epsom salt are so cheap um and you can basically create this like incredible experience for yourself for free um and I think just taking care of ourselves in that way like even the ritual of it turning on the water lighting the candles the whole thing is just a big part of the practice so whatever whatever your thing is that makes you feel good it's just like making that a prayer um, mm. and for me right now it's baths <laughs> yeah yeah that's really it it's like not just going through the motions to do it and to say that you did your daily practice but like really t- really embodying the practice that you're moving through mm. um, in every cell of your being that's where yeah. that's where it becomes an actual practice Totally. My Reiki teacher recently um, said, she said something really beautiful. She said, your cells know 
like tune into the intelligence of your cells. Mm -hmm. And for, for whatever reason, that just totally landed with me. And I feel like what we put in our bodies, submerging ourselves in water, um, you know, whatever we're eating, drinking, like it's like taking care of ourselves. And that's a very new theme for me, but it really stuck with me. So I don't know if that resonates with you or mm -hmm. any of your listeners, but sort of like tuning into what your cells are like asking for you and the intelligence lies there. I'm like, whoa. whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is something that you really love about yourself? Oh my gosh. These questions are amazing. What do I love about myself? Um, I, I love, um, my, I'm really true to my word, um, my truthfulness and my, I, I demand it in others as well. So even though I've lost friendships, um, or, you know, had to walk away from really hard business situations, I feel that I am so honest with myself. So like self-awareness, um, and then with others too, I hold them to a level of truth. Like if you're in my life, all I demand is like clear communication and truth. Um, and I really demand that. Mm -hmm. And I've like had to lose some really important people in my life and um, just had to go through some really hard situations because I wasn't getting the truth and realizing how important that is to me and how much I stand in it. Um, is something I really admire, actually. Um, you know, it can be easy to just lie or fake mm -hmm. it um, or not be 100% true. And the constant questioning of that um, and reflection and then holding people around me to that as well uh, has gotten me in to some really beautiful situations, also some really challenging situations. But at the end of the day, I love that about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. And I'll just mm -hmm. say, um, you know, I always do like a little research on people before I have them on the show. So I li I've listened to a couple episodes that you've been on for other people's mm -hmm. podcasts and I've, I've witnessed that about you. Like it's, it's almost like you, um, when other people are in your presence, what it seems like to me is that you awaken their truth within that. Oh. Like, like they can't fake it when they're around you. And that's such a gift. I really appreciate you saying that and witnessing that. Um, it's really special. I had a, a friend tell me once, um, are you familiar with the Ramayana? Um, it's the story of Ram and, uh, there's mm -hmm. a character in there called Jambu and his job is to remind Hanuman that he can fly. Um, and my friend recently told me that like in that story, I represent Jambu to him and it's just sort of mm -hmm. reminding you of your truth. It's like, uh, you know, it's there, but it's so easy to forget. Um, and so that's why I love doing the podcast and I love working to help people bring their, um, gifts into the world. I mask it as marketing, you know, um, yeah. but it's really bringing their truth and their story and their gifts in, into the light. And so it's, it's powerful. And I, I love that you noticed that and witnessed that. So thank you. Yeah, of course. 
Yeah. And I, I think what you just said, like masking the real work as marketing, like that's exactly it. And that's what gets people to say yes to you. Cause their ego's like, I need marketing and I need strategy. And then you're like, okay, cool. Now we're going to do the real work, which is so much deeper than this. So yeah, I say all the time, you got to sell people what they want and then give them what they need. Yeah. <laughs> that's the magic for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last warm up question that I have for you is what excites you the most about the work that you're doing right now? Wow. These questions are so thoughtful. Um, what excites me the most about the work that I'm doing right now? So I think that, uh, what excites me the most is how marketing is always evolving. Um, it's never the same. So the strategies are always changing. It's not one size fits all. And I think it's allowed me to pivot a lot in my business as well. And, Right now, we're making some really big changes, and I'm stepping in front of the brand a little bit more by launching my own courses and my own content, and uh, that feels really good. I think that there's a lot of marketing agencies out there. Um, You can hire a lot of media buyers that will do a really good job, but what we're really unique and different is in the strategy. Um, that's where our, my intention lies is on the strategy side of things. So creating a custom strategy for somebody that they'll just win. Um, and that's really exciting to me is sort of differentiating ourselves from all these agencies out there and getting more and more, uh, into the thing that I'm really good at. I think oftentimes when we start a business, we can lose ourselves in all these different avenues or paths and somebody comes to me and they're like, I need this. And I'm like, great, we can do that. But is that what I'm best at? Probably not always. Mm-hmm. Um, I follow Gay Hendricks and he talks a lot about zone of excellence versus mm-hmm. zone of genius. And we oftentimes spend most of our time in our zone of excellence because we're really good at it. Um, but then our zone of genius is where the real flow state happens we don't get there very often because we're wasting all of this time. Um, so I've made some really big decisions recently and I'm feeling like really excited about getting back to my zone of genius. Um, and where things really flow for me is in the coaching, it's in the strategy, but I can also make a killer landing page, you know, so, Mm -hmm. so can a million other people. Um, they Mm -hmm. all, they all can't make the same strategy I can. So I think really realizing and recognizing what I'm good at, what you're good at, and actually deciding to focus there. Because if you, if you love what you do, and if you're good at what you do, whatever you focus on will work. Um, so just focusing on the right things is really exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so cool that you are also launching, like you also have your, your own personal brand in Mm -hmm. within the agency. I think that's, that's a cool, um, I think that adds more value for your clients too, because you, you deeply understand what it's like to be in their shoes because you're also in their shoes. True. That's a good point. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because I'll be having a conversation about putting content out there or launching something. And you know, what I really do is resistance coaching. Um, because once, you know, the strategy will work, but it's most of the time, the mindset that you getting in your own way. And once we can clear that, then whatever we create for you is going to be a success. But then having to turn the mirror on myself, Mm -hmm. some of those conversations and really walk my talk has been a really cool challenge. 
uh, to do that. And it's not easy. It's selling yourself is really hard. That's why I hide behind my clients most of the time because selling them is easy. Right. Uh, so right. yeah, it's, it's, it's fun and it's challenging, but when you know you have a purpose, um, and you know that you can affect people and like help them make money and succeed in their business, you know, they're, you know, your chipped tooth or crooked smile or whatever, like matters less. I think, but the ego does still get in the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every day, every, every every second of every day, constantly overcoming the ego. Welcome to the human experience. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So I am super intrigued to hear more about authentic audience and how that came to be. Um, So will you just tell us what it's all about and how you got started in this work? Sure. Yeah. So with Authentic Audience, it's sort of a collection of experiences. I didn't study marketing. I didn't go to school for marketing. I went to school for film and communication and um, was working in Hollywood and became obsessed with visual storytelling. I love movies. I love feeling something um, visually. And I was reading so many scripts and honestly just needed to get out of Uh, the LA situation. So I sort of switched gears to health and wellness, started working for celebrities, producing content in the health and wellness world. And then from there started helping people build their brands um, from the visual side. So website, social media, I was involved early on in some really big brands, um, big influencers on social media and really learned how to navigate growing a big audience connecting, engaging, all these things that are super important. And I decided to just do it for myself. And I started really small. I was like having a couple of clients a month, just paying the bills, loving it, um, making huge difference in their businesses. And a couple of years ago, uh, 2016, uh, my husband, my boyfriend at the time, was like, you got to, like, we got to do something with this. He was sort of seeing the impact that I was having and he quit his job and joined me and we formed Authentic Audience together and it became a real business. So uh, now, three years later, um, we have a great team. We've had amazing clients. We've done, you know, launches into the six, seven figures for our clients. Um, really beautiful. And so we do digital marketing. So everything from Facebook ads, Google ads, email drip campaigns, uh, email list growth campaigns, growing your email list, storytelling content, website, all of that stuff. And what we're sort of evolving into now is we partnered with some really amazing contractors and So I have like my website team now. I don't have to make the website. I have a team who's better than me. And I have my email marketing guru, Griffin, and she just rocks at email marketing. So if a client needs that, I pull her in. And that was always my dream is to sort of have this collective of incredible um, creatives and engineers and developers that are just so rad at what they do and be able to um, create, you know, amazing brands for people. So now, uh, what I mostly focus on is strategy. So I create a strategy for you. And then if you need particular, um, you know, website or landing page or email, then we pull in the right people and like sort of customize a package. So, um, that is sort of where we are now. I'm launching a course this summer. I launched a course last year. It went really well. Um, I really like teaching people about marketing, I think healing that issue we all have around sales is powerful. 
And when you can feel really good about selling whatever it is that you're selling, most of my clients are selling their services themselves um, in a big way. And so being able to coach people through that and watch their success is just really, really beautiful. So I do talks, I, I uh, you know, write a lot about this because I just think, you know, when, when I look at all of the success, authenticity always wins. Um, truth wins. Um, and that's what people relate to. And that's what people want to connect with. So it's fun helping people connect with their dream customers and watching that, you know, relationship flourish. So why authenticity? Like, will you just talk more about, I I feel like we almost even need to define authenticity Mm. for people that are listening and then explain like, why does it just, why does it work? And Um, Why is that often the missing ingredient for people in their marketing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good question. And and I came up with the name and, you know, authenticity has always been super important to me and it's definitely become more of a buzzword. I think over the last couple of years and people are throwing it around. I think there's a big difference between authenticity and transparency as well. Um, And you have to walk that line. I've worked with a lot of nonprofits and, you know, just, it's, it's a fine line, but I think for me, it's like not bullshitting people and it depends what you're doing and how far you want to go. But for me, there's a huge level of vulnerability. Um, there's a huge level of responsibility as well. So for example, if you're a yoga teacher, um, coming in the room and dumping all your baggage or venting, um, that, that isn't really helpful. So to me, authenticity is, um, being super honest with your audience, with your clients, with your customers about your mission, about your why, telling your story, why you got into this, what your struggles are, what you hope to get out of it, what your dream is for your ideal client. I have my, my clients, I make them write a letter um, to their dream customer, their dream listener, their dream client. Here's what I want to create for you. Here's why. Here's my mission. Um, and intention. So just getting really honest about your intention. If your intention is to make a lot of money, that's okay. Be honest about it. Um, it like it's, it's just, you know, I go as far as when I'm trying to sell somebody something and I get them into my email sequence, I'm like, you're in phase one of my sequence right now. You're going to get a lot of value from me for the next three months or the next 15 emails or whatever. When you see a webinar come up or a free webinar, you know, I'm getting ready to launch. So stay, pay attention to that. I think for me around marketing, we try and hide the fact that we're selling something. And so authenticity is owning it. Like, why are you so excited about what you're selling? If you're not excited and screaming from the rooftops about whatever it is, no one's going to care. So people like want to mask and hide and not tell us what to do. Like, no, we need to know what to do. Provide me value. Tell me what's valuable. Tell me your story. Tell me your why. And then tell me how to buy and make it really easy and, and be excited to share the price and be excited to talk about the sale and be excited to ask for the sale. So yeah, I think that's a long-winded answer, but for me, authenticity is like, you know, when you're bullshitting and you're the only one that knows that people can smell it now. I think people, you know, conscious consumerism is real. So people really do care who they're buying from. They want to resonate with you. They want to feel something. And the biggest thing that I say, when I look at a website, um, that's not authentic or in my mind, you know, hiding behind the brand or, you know, all of these things that we like to do 
is I feel nothing. And I want to feel something. I want to feel something, whether it's, I don't like this, this isn't for me, or I love this, they're talking to me. That's what I want to feel. And when we try and sell to everybody and get super vague and not specific and not passionate, we sell to nobody. So I think another piece of authenticity is getting really clear on who you're talking to and who your audience is, and then just talking to that person like they're your friend. Um, and the more real and honest you can be with your clients, I tell my clients when I'm having anxiety, um, I'm super open about mental health and challenges that I face in business. And those posts, if you have a social media following, you know, get more engagement, Mm -hmm. um, when people feel something and, and it's okay if it's not good that they don't want to, to buy what you're selling because that's not who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, when somebody is like repelled by my website, I'm like, awesome. Cause this is not for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when somebody's like, oh my God, like I, I just received this email and they're like, I stumbled across your thing and your website felt like you were talking to me. It's like, because I am. So I think, yeah, that to me is what authenticity means. Transparency is another thing. It's like dumping your baggage, saying I'm broke, I'm going through a divorce, you know, all this stuff. Authenticity is talking about the root of those wounds and um, what you've overcome and sort of the lesson in it. I think you have to be really careful when you have a platform of what you share um, and when you share it. Yeah, what you were saying about feeling nothing really resonates with me. I feel like from a, as a consumer, if the, if the brand that you're interacting with has like a wall up and isn't being authentic, it makes you want to put your own wall up. It reinforces your own insecurities and doubts. Whereas when someone is really just showing up like in their wholeness, that like gives you a freedom when you're interacting with that brand. And it's like, you're already experiencing a transformation just by interacting once with the brand. A hundred percent. It's the first thing I notice in a brand, like, and how they're marketing to me and how they're talking to me. Because at the end of the day, we're consumers. We live in a consumer culture. And when we decide to buy, we have our credit cards out ready to go. And I think it's just becoming like they're, and it's beautiful. Like a lot of my clients are coaches and healers. And even 30 years ago, that was really hard to find. Now you have like a smorgasbord, a variety of Mm -hmm. who you get to choose from. And to me, it's not about being competitive. It's about just owning who you are and what makes you unique. I mean, there's millions of marketers out there, but people come to me for a reason. And it's not, you know, yes, we deliver great results and yes, we are really good at what we do, but also people feel something Mm -hmm. and people feel like they can connect to that. And I think that that's, that will earn more loyalty, you know, in the long run is feeling connected to a brand, even from the vitamins I use. I'm like, man, she's rad. I want to interview that CEO. She crushed it. Like you can feel the intention. It's like when you go to a restaurant, you can feel if something was made with love, you know, it's, you can feel the intention in things. And, And I think we're really starting to wake up to that, whether we, know that that's why we're drawn to a brand or not. Um, subconsciously, I think it's real. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear you talk about like balancing consistency and authenticity. And I feel like I can already sense what you're going to say, but I just want to hear you talk about it because that's something that I struggle with. Like every morning at 9am, I have to be like full of ideas and have um, the most profound messages to share with my audience, but that's not necessarily authentic and that's not necessarily real. It's like wanting me to show up like a robot 
like clockwork instead of showing up like a human. Um, and that's this like dance that I'm constantly trying to master. And I know that both are equally important. Like consistency is huge, but so is authenticity. So like, how do we find that flow between the two and be really real um, and honor where we're at as a human yet still be there for our audience? It's a great question. And it's something I struggle with, I think on a daily basis. Um, because yes, consistency is important. Content is king. People are oftentimes looking to us to share something meaningful and witty and charming. And, and the truth is, I think, you know, do you follow or do you know Jordan Younger? She's the balanced blonde on social media. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, she has chronic, she suffers from like chronic illness. She has Lyme disease and IBS and all of this stuff. And I think she is one of the most engaged followings I've ever seen on social media. Um, I've helped her sell to her audience before, and I know her engagement numbers and her email open rates, and it's one of the highest I've ever seen. And she is so honest when she's down. And I think when you have chronic illness, especially people are just like wanting to hear your healing journey. And she's done so many sort of healing to, like this and that. She's tried everything from Western to Eastern medicine and everything in between. And she has these great days when she's up and when she's down, she shares about it. And she always does it in a really positive, optimistic way. And for me, the truth is, is I'm not always positive and optimistic. Um, and I can't share the way she can when I'm having a bad day. I don't even want to open my phone. And I think for me, it's staying really true to that. Um, if you don't want to open your phone and you don't want to post, A, either say that on a post, like I'm having a day, like I want to share something when I get to the other side of this, but I, I don't have anything to share at, at this time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, whatever it, whatever it may be, but I think authenticity needs to trump, like be consistent in your authenticity. Um, is, is my answer that. to that because, you know, I've gone offline for a couple weeks. Um, and then when I come back, I have something like really big to share. And I think that that's part of authenticity is knowing when to share. So when I'm in the hole, when I'm angry, when I'm resentful, when I'm having a pity party, that's not a time to scream from the rooftops how I'm feeling. I also know that what we feel is temporary. So like we will get to the other side. We will get to an aha moment. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes I feel like I'm never going to come out of it, but you always do. And I think in that moment, what you choose to share, it's like, this is what I was going through and here's the lesson I learned. Um, and I'm about to share that, you know, I've had a, I've had a month and I have not shared at all about what I've been going through. And I think because I'm not ready and when you have loyal customers and they're used to you being authentic, they'll give you space. Like they'll give you permission to be you. And I also think what you said about, um, being a brand, you know, when you rec when you uh, feel something in a brand and they're being authentic, you feel like you can show up more authentically. 
I, you know, I keep using this. I used to teach yoga. So I, I always go back to oh, this. Me but... too. Okay, great. <laughs> so my prayer when I used to teach was one, give them what they need and two, allow me to open my heart so they can open theirs. And so you can only expect your audience, your customers, your whatever to be as open as you show up. So wherever you set the wall, that's what you're going to be met with. Mm-hmm. So I think the more open, honest, authentic you can be, um, you know, I used to be afraid, oh, I'll lose clients if they know I struggle with, you know, mental health or, or whatever. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just not the case because the, your people will see you. Um, and I think just really like holding space for your people to show up. And, you know, I, I remember when yoga girl, um, I was working with her a long time ago when her friend passed away and she just started like publicly sharing her grief and lost thousands and thousands of followers, but she gained like double that. And so I just think the more you're you, um, the more you're allowing your people to find you and show up. And in going back to marketing, that's what it is. It's just getting in front of your people because they're out there. Mm -hmm. Um, What I do, I don't make your product better. I don't make you better. I just help connect you with those people. And by being more authentic and sharing your story and sharing your truth and holding space and also with the strategy part, um, you'll find them. Mm -hmm. They're looking for you. (laughs) Yeah. And I see that too. And I saw that in myself too. Like initially when I really started showing up, I did see a little bit of a dip first, but then the growth that happened just beyond that was double what the dip was in followers. So sometimes you have to have a little bit of resilience and like really be holding the vision of what you're creating when you're kind of initially changing gears or stepping more into yourself and just know that you're, you're being led to something so much better. Yeah. I mean, I use the bus analogy all the time, but it like is tried and true for me. And it's just like, you know, the analogy that you're on a bus, you're playing music, you're stoked. Everyone in your crew is with you. And then all of a sudden you change the channel and these, these couple of people on the bus are like, I hate this song. Like, I want to get off the bus. And you're like, that sucks. But here you go. Like, get off at the next stop. Like, I'm going to go this way. Like, enjoy, enjoy this way. And then the next stop you get to, there's three more people. And they're like, I love this song. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, and I want to get on. And so it, for me, that's about energy and um, letting people come and go is, is part of their journey too. And then it makes space on your bus for people who want to go that direction, for people who want to go that way. And I think as personal brands, as businesses, as just people, I've had this more in my personal life in the last year. Like people have gone off my bus. Um, also mm-hmm. I've kicked some people off my yeah. bus, like goodbye. Um, yeah. I don't want you on the bus and it's, it, and it can stay in love. You know, I read a quote recently that, um, you know, boundaries don't have to be this like fence that shocks people. It can just mm-hmm. be this like light around you that says I will be treated sacredly. And that mm-hmm. to me is like yes. what I'm cultivating right now. Like a boundary doesn't have to be like mean and harsh and aggressive, but at the same time, I think boundaries are really, really important. And you can do it and set them lovingly. And it's pretty cool. The people that show up and come out of the woodworks and DM you or write you when you do, um, step more into yourself and the people that leave, it's like, I love you. Thank you. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. I wish you well. You're on your way. I do yeah. is the yeah. thing. Like yeah. I love you and I wish you well, but I'm not on that. 
I'm not on that journey right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not going to judge your journey. Um, I think judgment is a big problem, especially in the world of social media. Uh, the call out culture, I mean, it's just, it's endless, but at yeah. the same time, it's like, everyone's on their journey. Just let mm-hmm. them be and, and focus on what, what you're doing. And I talk about that a lot. Like, um, when it comes to what you're putting out there, we're so oftentimes comparing ourselves to what other people are doing. And we actually pivot our own strategies and our own desires and Dharma because we see something somebody else is doing and that's just not authentic and never going to work. So, you know, the more you can just stay true in who you are and share what you want to share and create what you want to create, um, there's an energy that comes with that and it's abundance. Mm. It's yeah. hard though. Easier said. Oh than my that. God. It's so hard. <laughs> but it is true. It's like once you're in that alignment, that's when things start to flow. That's that's the energy that's magnetic to the results that you're after is just being completely in alignment. Yeah. And I think the work is rewarded. You know, I, I do believe that like this podcast can sound very woo-woo, but at the end of the day, like you can sit there and you can um, you know, pray and manifest and dream and like call in whatever energies, but then you have to act. And so sitting down and doing the work is equally as important as all of the energy work. And for me, it's a complete balance of the two. Like I can sit here and have this conversation with you and I can do my prayers and take my bath and call in the energy and kick people off my bus and blah, blah, blah. But if I don't sit down and create the course and like let it come through me and make the landing page and invest in people and pay people to do the work and not be fear-based around money and all of that stuff, it, it just goes hand in hand. The fear, our unworthiness goes hand in hand with investing in good people, mm-hmm. believing that it will come back and putting good value out there, all of that stuff. So marketing is like such a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's profound, you know, what you go through just to like birth something into the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. So let's talk more about strategy because we cool. spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about um, energetics and mindset and intuition behind business. And we don't spend as much time talking about strategy, but of course it's such an important part. So will you talk about um, some of the best strategies right now in digital marketing and maybe some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making? Yes. Uh, which one should I start with? Let's start with mistakes. Okay. And then we'll uh, end on a positive. Yeah. <laughs> There's some solutions to that. Okay. Yeah. So the biggest mistakes I see people make, making are a couple. Uh, one is they post or share about something one time and expect it to just fly. And then they get really upset or come to me like, I shared about it. Nobody purchased, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. first of all, with the algorithms, maybe 5% of your audience even saw it on a good day. So there's that. So 95% of your audience doesn't even know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Second of all, you only shared about it once and people feel like, oh, I'm bothering people. I'm bothering people. Like I don't want to post about it. Nobody's bothering anybody. If somebody doesn't want to see your story, they just swipe to the next story. It's not for them. So the average customer, consumer, purchaser needs to see something an average of seven times. Seven times. I just ordered these vitamins. They've been getting me with their ads like for months and I wanted to order them like five ads ago, but (laughs) life happens. You know, I didn't have my credit card out. I was at the beach when I saw the ad, like whatever. So a huge, huge, huge part of marketing is just holding space 
for people when they're ready to buy. And they need to be reminded daily that you're there, that you have something to sell, that you love what you're selling, that other people love what you're selling. That's how you can share your story, share your message, but it's share, share, share. You are not bothering people. In fact, the more people see you promoting whatever it is you're doing, the more people see your ads, sponsored posts, the more seriously they're going to take you as a business because you're taking yourself seriously mm. and you're taking your marketing so seriously. True. So that's like the first and foremost, and that's an ego mistake that I see people make. Um, and literally nothing has to change except you posting about it more and sharing more and providing more value and very clear calls to action. So in every post and every share and every whatever email give me value, tell me about it, share something with it, me, make me feel something, share the benefits, not what it includes, but the benefits. Um, I don't care if you're selling me a course and it includes four video calls and meditations. No, no, no. What's the transformation? What's the benefit I'm going to get out of it? Um, and the second, and post about it all the time and tell me how to buy it. No one's like, like just say link in bio to purchase, swipe up to like, you got to tell me how to buy it. So making the purchase process easy and telling me about whatever you're doing all the time. People are like, I posted once, nobody signed up. I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> There's your first problem. You got to hold <laughs> space, hold space for your dream client to show up and do that by providing value. Uh, the second thing it actually ties into providing value is I see people taking a cold lead, um, a cold audience, somebody that doesn't know about them, serving them an ad that goes straight to a sales page. So you're not going to succeed or you will, but uh, not as much. And it's very expensive to send a cold person. Um, you know, I talk about pe warming people up, hot leads, really hot leads, and then cold leads. They don't know who you are. They've maybe heard about you once. They have no idea what you're selling. You put an ad in front of them that says, buy this. It's, it's, it's a huge mistake um, going from cold to sale. Uh, marketing is awareness, consideration, purchase. So they have to find out about you, then they have to consider you, and then they make the purchase. And so many people go straight from awareness to purchase. Mm -hmm. The consideration phase is the most important phase of marketing, and that's what I focus on. Right now, I'm considering buying a Peloton versus Hydro. Hydro is winning. My consideration phase, they've got me on email. They've got me on ads. They're providing me value. I'm falling in love with their instructors, their personal messages, their Instagram. They're getting me. They care more about selling me right now than Peloton does. And I can tell that because Peloton is not spending a lot of money on reaching me. And I'm this close. You know, if they mm -hmm. sent me a few more ads, a few more emails, um, that, and also depending on how expensive your product is or service, that consideration phase is going to be longer. So for example, if you're deciding on a yoga teacher training, um, versus buying new vitamins, um, you know, vitamins, you'll probably research it for a couple of days. Yoga teacher training, you, you, that consideration phase could be a couple of months. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's an opportunity that you have to earn somebody's trust, get to know them on a more personal level, earn their loyalty, share testimonials, customer feedback. Like you get to have this relationship with them. And to me, considerations like dating, um, you know, and, and the other way is like asking somebody to move in with you or marry you on the first date. They're going to think you're nuts. 
-hmm. and the success rate of that's going to be very low. But if you get to know somebody, if you provide them value or their trust, all that stuff over time, then they're going to be so excited to buy from you. Um, they're going to be so excited to, to make that sale. So there's a lot of ways to do that depending on your budget. We don't have to get too far into that. Um, it can happen via email, which is free. Um, so you collect an email address in some way, which is like a whole nother conversation, but it's, it's what I love to do is help people grow their email list with quality leads, not quantity. Um, you can also do it with Facebook ads. If you want to, um, spend money, um, you put a video view campaign out, right? Which is like, here's who I am. Here's my story. Here's my mission. No call to action. It's called an awareness campaign. You can reach people for one cent per view, one cent per view, yeah. you can reach a cold audience with no call to action. They just know who you are. Then you can track on Facebook. If somebody has watched more than 50% of that video, you know, they're pretty interested. Then you can serve them something else for people that didn't watch it. We're not going to pay to reach them again. So we start warming up this audience then they see an ad for a free webinar. Then they join that. Then they get to know you more. For everybody that's joined that, wow, now they're really warm leads. Now we get to know them more. So it's creating these sequences, whether it's in person, whether it's on social, whether it's your stories, whether it's paid, whatever it is, but that nurturing, that dating, that warming up campaign, that's where you earn lifelong customers. That's where you earn the purchase. Um, and that, that purchase or that uh, consideration phase could take years. You know, I've had people uh, listen to my podcast for a year. They join all my webinars. They've been on my email list. They've got all my free courses for years and then they decide to buy. And it's so, so worth it because by the time they get on the other end with me, they're so stoked to talk to me. They feel like they know me. They trust me. It makes my job a lot easier. Um, so yeah, those are the two biggest things I would say. One, not sharing enough, not being excited enough, not holding enough space and getting discouraged, which then comes in the ego. And then two, taking somebody who doesn't know you straight to a sale. So I also feel like I kind of shared in that the positive strategies. Yeah. Do you feel like I answered that? For okay. sure. For sure. Okay. Um, and it's interesting too, like I've also experienced people who have been in my audience for like over a year and then they finally buy. And what's so cool about that too, is that then they're really energetically ready too, because they've totally. also been doing the work that you've been talking about on like a micro level on their own. And they've already experienced some level of transformation just by being in our energy, just by being in our audience. So then by the time they're ready to work with us, like they're ready to go all freaking in. Yeah. Work. So it's really and that's cool. what we want. We want people to be like salivating for the offer. So by the time you put it in front of them, they're so excited to buy. And, and also like, I love that you make it, made it an energy thing because for me, like the exchange of money is like just so sacred and so energetic. And it's like, we're sitting here giving our energy, our time right now on this podcast together, hopefully for listeners that will maybe one day buy from us, but it just goes back to putting it out and putting the energy out there, not expecting it back. And it's beautiful how much it does come back in the form of money, in the form of abundance. So, um, it's a big part of the energetic exchange and the more sort of sacred I make that the more it comes in, mm -hmm. in a weird way yeah okay so I want to talk about the um the no expectations and this is maybe where we can close because I wanted to talk to you about launching anyway and I think that this is a really big 
component to launching. So what I have seen both in myself and in other people just observing is we start out, we have this amazing idea. Maybe it comes through in this like sacred divine download and we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And we're like, we have to share this. I want to help people. Cool. So the intention is so pure and um, we feel like, yeah, like this is a great offer. I'm ready. And then we go out there and maybe we show up once, like you were saying, and we don't see any results. And then we start to fuck ourselves up because we're like, okay, well, I didn't see anything. So maybe I'm totally the wrong person. And this idea is the worst and that's not working at all. And I took this action. Why am I not seeing this result immediately? So can you talk a little bit about like, yeah, like maybe, okay. So like what's going on with the strategy there and what's going on with the intention and energy there? And like, how do we really show up for a launch so solid in what we're offering? And also, um, you know, not expecting things to come in. Like if I do X, Y will happen, but like yeah. really staying connected to that bigger vision and trusting that in the end, it's going to work out. I don't care how it comes in or when I just know that it, it's coming. Yeah. You know, that's I mean, like five questions at once. Well, but. you totally answered part of it right there is trust that it's coming and, and also intention, intention, intention. So what, when I see a successful launch, it always comes down to the intention of why this person created it. And if it is truly to help and it is truly an amazing service, an amazing product, an amazing offer, then it will work. It might take time to reach those people, you know? And I think a lot of times on social media or with, um, I think about this with my favorite authors a lot. Like most of my favorite books, the authors wrote them in like their sixties right? And we're quite young. And I think that that overnight success, that influencer success, that mindset that we're in, that like a million people need to know who we are is bullshit. If 10,000 people bought from me, I would be set for the rest of my life. If I took care of those same 10,000 people, right? And offered them courses and products and services, maybe 20,000. Sometimes if you have a really high offer, you only need a hundred people. So I think for me, a successful launch is get one client, get one customer and make sure they have an amazing experience, even if it means giving it to them for free, because the best form of marketing at the end of the day will always be word of mouth. Social media just makes that more, but social media really is just word of mouth. Like if you look at things that go viral or, um, you know, why I use the vitamins I do or why I use the sparkling water thing I do, it's word of mouth. It's my friends use it. They shared it with me. They told me about it. Then I clicked on it and I got served an ad for it. And then they got me right. That's usually how it happens, especially with the millennials and and people our age. So having an incredible customer experience is the most important thing. It's the best form of marketing. It's the best thing you can do. So when I create something right now, for example, I'm creating this course, Marketing Fundamentals. I'm not charging nearly enough. I'm going to have a beta group and I want them to love it. I'm over delivering to the max. Whoever gets in this beta group, they're so freaking lucky. I know it and they know it. 
and I want to refine it. I want to finesse it. I haven't done a group program. I've done one-to-one programs before. So I don't want a hundred people. I want 20 people in my beta group. It's still going to make me a good amount of money. And I know I can get 20 people. So it's setting yourself up for realistic expectations that you can just hit out of the park. If you're like, I know I can get five people and that would be a success, get five people in make sure they have a killer experience. It will grow and grow. You know, Deborah Silverman is a really good example of this. She has a program called Applied Astrology and it started five years ago. She created a level one, how to understand astrology course. Okay. It's been five years. It's a multi-tier, makes tons of money, certifies astrologers, thousands of them every year. She has an amazing launch strategy, right? So if we can get into like open cart versus evergreen and how long and pricing and all of that, totally killer strategy. She has an amazing strategist. Her name's Destiny Berman. Um, She would be a great interview. Um, I look up to her a lot. And anyway, um, but what she's able to scale now, you know, at the time it was, I just want to make these 10 people that are paying a thousand dollars for this, have a killer experience. Okay. Then you can upsell them to level two. You can upsell them to level three, whatever. Then they're going to go tell all their friends. Now, so many people sign up. She has mentors. It's still all her content, but so it's still a group of 10 but you have a mentor and you're watching Deborah's content, you're listening to her content, but you don't actually get to work with her now until level three. That's when you get to work with her. So it's, it, it was able to scale and blow up that way, but she didn't get hundreds of people the first year. She had one group of 10 and they had an amazing experience and she was able to then refine that. And I've learned from her because she just launched something new And uh, she launched a beta group. She took 10 people for free. I was one of them where she tried all the content out. It was life-changing. I was like, this is going to do really well. The next one, she's like, okay, I'm going to teach the next one, but I'm going to charge for it. It's a thousand dollars. It filled no problem. Now she's like, okay, how do I certify mentors to do it? Right? So I think it's like, be where you are Mm -hmm. and And if you can get, like for me, I have a great audience. I have a, you know, small Instagram following 11,000. It's not crazy. And I sell out my courses through that. And like a couple thousand person email list because of all the value and all the nurturing I'm giving them all the time. So when I do launch something also urgency and scarcity, it's a huge part of marketing. So, um, not having something available all the time my marketing fundamentals course, you, I'm only taking 20 people and you can only sign up in July and we're doing it together. So I think focusing on quality over quantity, like I could take 200 people in this course. I don't want to, I want to make sure these 20 people have a killer experience. Then I can raise the price. Also, it's really hard to lower your prices. So you want to start lower because if somebody comes in and you charge them a thousand dollars and next time you're like, I need to only charge 500, that person's going to be pissed. Right. So it's easy to raise. It's easy to add value. It's harder to go the other way. So I think when it comes to launches, it's like, if you have one person that has an epic experience, that is a successful launch and they paid you for it that's incredible. You know, like you really have to, and if you think, okay, one person, like, come on, I can get five, like with my audience, I can get 20. Like I know if I drop one email, when marketing fundamentals comes up, um, I'll get 20 people. 
Like I know that. And so I'm like, that's killer. That's out of the park for me. That's home run. That's all I want. So I can refine. They get to be my betas. They get it at an amazing offer price that they'll never have again. So there's also marketing in that, but it's sincere. It's sincere. I really am only taking 20 people. It really is the only time it's going to be this price. Um, so I think finding ways to authentically bring that urgency, that scarcity, um, and, and feeling like it's a win. You know, my husband always says, when you want to start a business, when you want to launch something, get one customer. That's it. Get one customer, get one client, whether it's your friends that are beta testing it and they can write amazing reviews and tell their friends about it. Whether you have affiliates, you know, say, I'm going to give it to 10 of you. And then for everyone that you get to sign up, I'll give you 200 bucks or whatever. Um, you know, there's so many ways to grow it once you know, people are having a good experience. So everyone's like, where should I put my marketing spend? What should I do with marketing? It's the first and foremost is make sure you have a really good product, a really good experience, a really good service. That's where you should spend your money because word of mouth is real. If you have something good, uh, marketing can't make something good. It can just make something really good, get in front of the right people. You know, I can find your people and I can make sure that they get the message and I can nurture them like a little baby, but then I hand it off to you and you have to deliver a good experience. So I tell my clients that all the time. I can get them on your landing page. I can make the landing page look amazing, but once they hit purchase, it's up to you. Um, to deliver a good experience. So I think just really focusing on the experience that you're bringing to people and making sure that somebody has a really good one, even if you have to give away the first one for free or like I'm doing, I'm going to do half price what I would normally charge because I want to uh, make sure that it's valuable for people. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we try and launch something and we don't know. Um, you know, how valuable it's going to be. And now I'm like, oh, I've been doing these strategy sessions. This is so valuable for people. I'm going to do more of these and I'm going to raise my prices because this is like one, I'm in the flow Two, It makes us good money. And three, it's the most valuable thing I can do for somebody. So I'm going to do more of that. And just like giving yourself, you know, the last thing I'll say is walk, uh, crawl, walk, run. Um, so with every strategy, you got to like start slow, get a couple, then you walk, then you run. Um, and if you do it that way, it allows room for pivoting. It allows room for evolution and all these things that are like totally inevitable. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that two things that are just really standing out to me that I'll just repeat is like, the, the point about like not really knowing if it's actually a successful program or if it's actually going to deliver a really quality experience. Of course, people are going to feel that when you interact with them, they're going to feel that questioning and lack of confidence and certainty. And the other thing too, is you mentioned just like owning where you are now. And I think that's the other place that dissonance comes up when you're interacting with like potential clients is you're trying to be at like this level 100 when you're really at a level 30 or something. And that's okay. Level 30 is amazing. And there's so many people that need your help there. So just don't feel like you need to, to, to like play, play like at a bigger game than you're ready for, like just own this stage and that will be your ticket to the next level. And you may never be there is the thing, you know, like I look at, um, people like Marie Folio, for example, or Amy Porterfield, who have these multi, multi multi-million dollar coaching programs around business and marketing. And that's never where I want to get. You know, I want to always provide really high quality, high touch experiences and programs for people. And it, they're not actually my competitors because the person who wants B-School 
wants a totally different experience than what I'm selling. And I love, I look up to them. I look at their sequences all the time. I look at what they're doing. I think it's amazing what they've created, but it's also never, I never want to be that level. I always want to be niche and boutique and picky and, you know, specific about who I work with and who I'm talking to. It's not for everyone. And so I think that's the last thing that I'll say is again, the most important thing is who are you talking to? What are they listening to? What other podcasts are they listening to? What books are they reading? Who inspires them? Who do they follow? Where do they shop? Where do they buy? What pain points are they experiencing right now that you can solve and talk to them? And for me, the small business owner, the early entrepreneur, the, um, influencer that hasn't monetized their following at all. You know, it's very specific people that I'm wanting to work with. And what's so cool is when you set that intention, they show up. Like I turn on my screen to get on a strategy call and, oh, hi, I know you, I called you in, you know, and so Mm -hmm. I'm here to help you. Um, And it feels really good when that continues to happen. So I would say that's my biggest biggest thing is like meditate on that person, write a letter to that person. There's thousands and thousands of that person. We're not that unique. Uh, we all have really similar experiences and pain points and COVID has taught me that, you know, like, because it's so stripped true. away, it's stripped away so much. We're all at home. We're all on zoom. You know, some laptops might be nicer than others, but um, at the end of the day, we're all having really similar experiences when it comes to our mindset, ego, business, marketing, you know, it goes on and on. So yeah, just tap into that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So true. And the impact that you're having with like one high level client is the same as Marie Forleo is having with 1000 students on a like really low, low touch, um, course or like a pre-recorded course or something. So it's so real. Like when I get that DM from that one person, that's like, I've been following you for so long. I have to say like your podcast or this or that changed my life. I'm like, that's what I'm doing it for. Yeah. That's yeah. my why that's it. Yeah. You don't even have to buy from me. Like I'm yeah. just so, so happy course. that I could help you, you know, because it will come back and in so many ways. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Intention. Yeah. Intention and the power of just showing up in service and expecting nothing in return. Which is so hard. I know. It's another, so hard. another daily reminder. Do, I mean, it's a, it's a famous quote. You know, you're not entitled to the fruits of your labor. You're only entitled to the labor. And it's an ego check. Uh, you know, every time something happens or a launch gets canceled or, you know, I'm like, oh, my work. And it's like, well, I'm only entitled. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been such a good conversation and I've learned so much from you just in this hour that we spent together. I always end by asking every guest one thing that they would tell their younger self and anybody that's listening that might be in a similar place to that version of you. Wow. Your questions are so thoughtful. Um, Something that I would tell my younger self um, self-care baby. It's not selfish. Um, it's not selfish to put yourself first. Um, it's, it's not, and, and it's okay to not be available to people all the time. Um, I think being available doesn't make me any more lovable, um, or any more worthy and it's okay to not be available all the time. 
and it's okay to not be at your best all the time and just self-care. Um, you know, I'm really lucky that I'm discovering it. I'm in my early thirties and, um, did my first cleanse at 30. Like I abused, um, my emotional body, uh, in my twenties. And I just wish I could tell her to just, you know, take care of herself. And I saw it as a weakness mm-hmm. and it's a strength. So yeah. Self-care. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I'm like bragging about how long my baths are. Whereas before, you know, oh, I, I don't have rag- time for baths. Yeah. I'm way I'm too, too stressed I'm too, out. I'm too busy. I have so much going on. Yeah, it's so funny. I brag about being busy and and now it's quite the opposite. I saw something recently. You might find this funny. It was like hot. It was like yoga in your 20s and it was like hot hit vinyasa. And then it was like yoga in your 30s. It's like I need five blocks and two blankets for like a yoga nidra class at 6 p.m. And it's like that is so accurate. Like that is been doing yoga nidra. Yeah, me too. I'm like, I don't do hot vinyasa anymore. And I'm not even remotely in my 30s yet. I'm still very much in my 20s. Um, yeah. Okay. Will you tell everybody where they can find you if they want more? Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of info on our website. It's just authenticaudience.co, C-O, and um, lots of freebies there, email list, growth information, marketing stuff. I have a podcast, which is on hold right now. Um, season two is coming out soon, but it's called the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm Krista Ritma on Instagram and um yeah, the best way to work with me, um, if there's a short wait list, but we always get you in is I do these uh, deep dive strategy custom sessions. Um, so we do a 90 minute call together and then I deliver you that day a 30, 60 and 90 day marketing strategy um, right away uh, to use. And I wish I could just say, do what I say and it will work because it will. Um, but that's that's the best way is to book one of those sessions um, or yeah, just get on my email list. I send tons of information about marketing and I care a lot about it. Um, and it's a, I like to think a unique approach, uh, to the world of sales, uh, that can maybe heal some of that ego shit. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the tea. (laughs) Cool. Thank you so much. Go check her out, everybody. And yeah, it was so nice to connect with you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, this was one of my favorite. I've been doing a lot of interviews, and this was like my favorite one I've done in a long time. Amazing. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear it. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for being with me today and listening to the Goddess Talk podcast. If you like these episodes, I would deeply appreciate you subscribing and leaving a five-star review. You can come and visit me online at goddessbrandco.com or connect with me on Instagram at Lynch. Sending so much love, and I'll see you on the next episode.